Um, so I'm ready. I'm ready when you all are. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's whisper the whole show. Yes. Welcome to the slumber party. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there and welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. This episode of Isometric is brought to you by Squarespace and we will tell you all about them later. For right now, we are finally happy to welcome back the triumphant return of Games Boss at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. Bree, please never leave us again. I, I promise, but hold on, Steve. Hold on. What what did you just say? What did I, I don't know what I just said. What did <laughs> just, I just say? We are that. finally happening. This is the original that, thing. That, no, no, no. Said. Back up. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Games Boss and then something. At Giant Space Cat? You called me Brianna Woot. That is my slave name, Steve. <laughs> oh. From now on, on Isometric, from now on going forward, you will call me Death Doctor. Death Doctor? Death Doctor. <laughs> I don't want to be called Bree. You <laughs> refer to me as Death Doctor on the show. I think you've just killed George's voice, <laughs> Death Doctor. Thank you. <laughs> it's what it sounds like. It sounds like that sounds like the wheezing of the damned is is what happened over there. Now. Death Doctor Wu has that effect on people. So yeah, oh. yeah. It's good to be back, Steve. Uh, I missed you. I missed you very much, uh, Maddie. My life was empty without you. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Marie Dow, you, you complete me. And I you missed you. You complete me too. Yeah. Breathe. <laughs> oh my God. That, that's, I'm, that, I, I can't even with, with, I don't even know. Breathe. Just call me Death Doctor. Call oh me Death God. Doctor and the show can go on. I'm show, I'm, I'm speechless is what happened just there. That's, that's, yeah. So, Are you feeling anxiety? I, uh, I, <laughs> I am now. <laughs> oh my god, I almost spat my tea out all over my computer. If there are any paramedics oh. standing by at Relay at uh, Release Notes Conference, we're going to need you to break into Georgia Dow's room and save her. Please. Oh no. Please. Oh. I'm going to text Mike right now and have him break into your hotel room. Hold on. <laughs> Oh no! So we we also have uh, editor at the Mary Sue Maddie Myers, or or do I need to have a? Is that your slave name? And do I need to refer no, to you by no, something else? No, no, I'm fine with Maddie Myers. It's been working for me pretty well. I think I'm going to keep it up. Although this month I did change my name on Twitter to Mecca Maddie Myers because I'm a robot. Also, I couldn't think of a scary Halloween name, which is the Twitter custom, but I could think of a, a robot related one. So yeah. You guys could all call me Mecca Maddie. Mecca Maddie. Mecca Maddie. I like it. I like it. I'm on board with it. My my office tried to get me to change my name on Twitter to Brianna. Oh, that's so cute. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty that's adorable. good. You have to do that. Did you? You have to do that. That's so cute. I thought about it. I went with uh, Brie for Vendetta for yeah, a that's, while. Yeah, that's that's good too. That's though. cute. Yeah. But the other yeah. one is just so Halloween. It's cute. It's just right. cute. All right, all right. I'll I will remember that Georgia Boskanovich Dow. Thank you. <laughs> so wait, what? Maybe we should introduce Georgia. Oh, she of the many middle names. Yes, li- live from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, we have a senior editor at imore.com and psychotherapist, and someone who has not yet gotten her Halloween name, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? 
I don't have a Halloween name. <laughs> Bree. Death um, Doctor. Death Doctor. Come on, show some respect, Georgia. That doesn't. You can't. You can't call that out. That's not as. It doesn't. It doesn't sound as good when wailed from the the fading voice of Georgia Dow, though. Right. It's it's still Death it, like, Doctor. <laughs> That's what the drums like. I don't know. I think it's pretty good. I, I think go it's good. Drums. That is good drums. Yeah. No, I've yeah. been at a release notes. It's been so awesome. Like really awesome conference with some of the coolest, nicest people um, and, and some fabulous women. It's been really, really great. So I'm enjoying, but I, I lost my voice again. So <laughs> did you get to see Mike's keynote? I did. Mike was yeah. fabulous. He, his keynote was amazing. Um, I also got to meet uh, Jean from App Camps from Girls, Jean McDonald. She's wonderful. She's sleeping in a train car. Like her, oh my God. her hotel room is a train car. It's so cool. And she let us like go in and we could see it. Really, really, really like just the coolest thing ever. I felt really bad because she, she was over at uh, Grace Hopper. Yes. Yes, she told me she was really sad not to meet you. Oh, well, she was really sad not to get you to know, meet you. You know, so this is the truth. I know this sounds like bragging, but it was it was really frustrating at Grace Hopper. I had to start eating in my hotel room because every time I was in the lobby, I would have like five, six, seven people like come over to my table and just start eating with me, and I'm like. Guys, I need some downtime here eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. there's a limit to how much you can be on. So, right. yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was a really great conference. But uh, my my social battery was pretty low because I spent <laughs> like a whole month on the road. So. Right. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds hard. Sure. Yeah. They for also sure. didn't call me Death Doctor. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, you should have put that in your rider along with the green M&Ms. Yeah. 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 We'll make that happen. We'll make it happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk video games. Yeah, guys. so um, so I hear that in between all of your various <laughs> and and sundry uh, appearances to wow audiences, you've gotten some time to finish up the uh, the PC version of Rev sixty. Yeah, yeah, guys. Um, so you know, I know a lot of people in our audience like uh, kind of dream of being game developers. So you know, what I was going to do is. You know, I don't really have like a, a huge topic list ready, but, uh, you know, I've learned a lot in the last year about, uh, you know, basically uh, taking an iOS game in Unreal and changing it so it will work in um, work on a PC. And, you know, like we had to make a lot of design changes to the game because it was originally made with a, a touch device. Um, you know, along with that, we've like, um, you know, we've kind of upgraded all the, the, the characters' costumes and, you know, we're, we're massively rebuilding all the sets because we're not held back by only 512 megabytes of RAM now. So um, I don't know. I guess like if there are any questions for you guys, like I'm happy to answer it or I can just kind of give you an overview of uh, you know, what was involved with it. I, I would, that's what I would love to know though, is, is the, the difficulties that people might not, and Stephen, yours might be like smaller, but like those difficulties <laughs> yeah. that people may not recognize when you're trying to port something. You've already done it, but now you're porting it over to PC. 
people usually think it's just like a few buttons and then it's just done. Oh God, no, no, not but even with Unreal. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, one of our biggest uh, design uh, challenges was Rev Six was really designed to have you do the action events, uh, you know, or QTEs, what some people call them, on a touchscreen, right? Like draw a circle, you know, right. swipe a line, hold down yeah. two points, do things like that. So how do you um, like transfer that kind of gameplay over to uh, a PC because like it would work where we could like force the user to like grab the mouse and like drag a a circle around another another circle but that's not very fun right so um, it was a really big uh, design consideration so we went through a ton of prototyping and one of the assumptions that um, we made with our design was that the the user was going to be uh, on you know, what would essentially be a MacBook, you know, like a laptop with a touchpad. Uh, you know, I didn't want to assume like a lot of, uh, you know, first person shooters do that the user is using an external mouse because, you know, like a portal is nearly impossible to play on a trackpad. So we, we wanted to assume that your hands would stay in one place most of the time. So like, how do you design gameplay for that? And, you know, we went through, like we went through a whole bunch of games that had action events. Like you give a list, like we we did it. I replayed through Tomb Raider on PC, the Telltale games on PC. You know, we built prototypes, and what ended up being the most fun was uh, taking inspiration from a very, very, very old Dreamcast game called Typing of the Dead. So those of you that don't know, the, the Dreamcast came with a, a, well, there was a keyboard you could buy for Fantasy Star Online, and they put out a version of uh, House of the Dead called Typing of the Dead that would teach you to type. So you would, like, take out zombies by typing a word. And it was, um, it kind of sounds like it's not, fun, but it was actually a lot of fun to play. So what we ended up doing is taking all those action events where it was like, you know, hold here or draw a circle or swipe and like turning it into a typing of the dead event. So what you would have, like there's that really climactic scene where Holiday is like, um, you know, confronting, um, you know, someone on a bridge and, you know, we had you type words that were evocative of the the emotions in every single scene. So what it ends up doing is making you feel more like emotionally connected to the actions that you're seeing. Um, so that was the biggest gameplay change. Uh, what I'm really excited about is all the changes to the characters' costumes because you know we've gotten a few comments about that. <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about like that process of going through and redesigning all the costumes? Because you posted some pictures of the of the new costumes on Twitter as you've been going through them and they look yeah. like like a level beyond the old costumes. So you want to talk about like how you ended up arriving on those costumes? Yeah, um you know, I looked at a lot of motorcycle armor and I kind of wanted to take a mass effect uh, twist on motorcycle armor. So, you know, we started with like a base leather suit, like a hardcore leather suit. Um, it's worth saying for Holiday's costume, she is literally the first thing that I ever textured in 3D was her costume. And you know, like it was a it was a fine design, but I've gotten a little bit better in the meantime. <laughs> I mean, like do you, I mean, the three of you, have you seen Holiday's new design? Like, no, what I do haven't. you think of it? Yeah, I've seen the pictures that you've tweeted. It looks, it, it looks like she's more wearing 
like not like she's just wearing like a skin tight suit, but like she's wearing something that would protect her in battle. Yeah, more. cool. Plus, there's yeah. a lot cool. of details yeah. added as well, which I don't understand how that works, but I can tell it looks <laughs> more detailed. Yeah. I mean, it took a lot of time to do. You know, yeah. we baked yeah. uh, glowing parts into our armor, and yeah, the truth is, there's this like viral image that I ended up putting out there. It's like, look, feminist criticism made this a much better yeah. design, and we have a picture of Holiday um, before and a picture of Holiday after, and yeah, we didn't just change her costume and. Um, you know, actually, we changed her costume. We changed uh, Unknown's costume. We changed Amelia's costume drastically. Uh, we also changed their body proportions. We made their neck thicker, their waist thicker. You know, like we we made them in a way it looks drastically better. Um, and that was that was hugely non-trivial. Like some people think it's like, well, you just change a texture or like drag some vertices around and you're done. And that's not it at all. Um, we had to actually go through and tweak animation for the entire game and re-render all five of the rendered movies in the game. Mm-hmm. And it was it was oh. a massive undertaking. So, you know, there's a reason it's taken an entire year to do. Right, right. Yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not as easy as people think. That <laughs> no, it's, it's not. You just, just click two buttons and you're done. And, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, That is like the theme of our show is, is explaining to people that game dev is a lot less easy than they think absolutely it's a good theme it's an important theme it is an important theme i agree with that so yeah the other the other change that's really uh you know it's taken a lot of time for me to work on is you know i have been going through every single set in the entire game and yeah just to so people out there know like we had a stark difficult choice with revolution 60 when we put it out that we had to make a choice that like anyone with an iPhone 4S or an iPad mini would not be able to play our game or we would like limit our game to, we would like limit it to devices with 512 megabytes of RAM. You know, we designed the game and it worked with that. Um, And then iOS 7 came out and, you know, it took um, iOS 7, like left us with 133 less megs of RAM than what we had before because it was using just so many more resources. So, you know, for us to ship Rev60 and have it work on the the 4S, um, you know, we threw everything we had into voice acting, animation, Um, And we really only had slivers of memory for the sets. And, you know, like, I am very proud of the job I did with the sets because I was putting them together with, like, you know, glue and toothpicks behind the scenes. Um, But, you know, what we've had a chance to do is go through and really spruce them up and make them much more awesome. Like, um, a really good example is the, the polyandrium, where it was kind of like this this base room with like this gray cement texture on it before. And now I went through it today and I put all this necromancer stuff in there and it looks just like all dark and there are all these like gothic things hanging down everywhere. Or if you go on like the Zaiji upper deck, like there's gorgeous texture everywhere that you look now. And yeah, I'm not going to tell you that like it's, 
like it looks like you know a, a game like Destiny because like we are a small studio. But you know what I have been able to do is to go back through you know spend a lot more resources into basically sprucing this game up and having it you know basically be a lot more interesting. So I'm proud of them. So when you when you were doing this, you were letting it run on the 4S. So what are you? What's the lowest? Because you're set, you're bringing all this to the special edition of the of the iOS game too, right? Yeah, You're not just doing it for the PC version. Well, we, uh, so what happens is our binary is forked at this point. And what that means is we have two different Rev60 games at this point. So there's the PC version that's on my hard drive, but there's also the iOS version. So the iOS version is sitting, you know, in our team Git right now. It doesn't have any of the new scenes made. Um, you know, it doesn't have any of the new sets. It doesn't have um, it doesn't have a lot of the new content. So as I understand this, and you know, there's a reason I haven't said anything publicly about this because I've got to see if Apple will be okay with it. So isometric listeners, I take it like you're fans of mine. So <laughs> like we could talk about this. Um, but as I understand it from reading Unreal documentation. Apple has currently stopped accepting binaries that do not support 64 bits. Um, so when you cook something with Xcode, it will only run on um, 64. It, it will support like 64 and 32 bit. That's not going to be the way with this. So as I understand it, we're going to be able to cook a binary of Rev60 that is only going to be playable on 64-bit devices and higher. So, yeah, that's basically going to mean everything after the iPhone uh, you know, 5S. So um, what we will be able to do with that is everything from the 5S onward has a gig of um, you know, memory in it. So you know, my, my theory with that is we'll get it cleared through Apple and you know, we'll be able to really have a much, much, much higher res version of the game. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get as high as the PC. In fact, I promise you we all but certainly will not. But you know, we'll, we'll definitely be able to go through and have it be a, a much better looking game. And and you'll get like all these new scenes and all these new costumes for it. So, yeah, I have to say, you know, there was a danger. We talked so much about this in our studio that yeah, there were there were scenes that I had written in the original Rev 60 and we cut them just for time and budgetary reasons. Mm -hmm. And we went back there and we added some of them in and we recorded some of the new lines. And some of these were things like uh, Crimson talking about her ethical subroutines for failing, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny to go back and look at that in the context of Gamergate. Yeah. So um, I don't know how the public is going to interpret that, but I guess we'll see. So It's about ethics and soybeans. It's about <laughs> ethics and soybeans. So. so you would recommend that people who already played it would, would check out all the new stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like if they have a PC, I, I assume there's going to be a build... Like, what are the specs for what kind of computer people should well, have? it should work on Windows 7 and up. Um, I personally have tested on Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 10. Um, you know, if it'll run with Unreal 3, which is a very, very low system spec, you'll be fine. I mean, this is a game that originally shipped on, um, you know, on iPhone. So what we did is we got a friend of ours who... They their workplace gave them the cheapest, lowest rent computer ever. And I'm like, hey, will Rev60 run on here? <laughs> and it runs just fine. So, uh, you know, it's coming out for that, basically. 
That's cool. I, yeah. I just know that one of your original intentions with the game was to to hopefully open it up to people who don't really play games and yeah. as well as people who play tons of games, but right. um, to, to sort of bridge that audience and, and hopefully find folks who don't know about games who might not have a really high powered computer and might not even know that they don't have a high yeah. powered computer. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, absolutely. Like ideally those people would, would play it as well. Hopefully. I hope so. Yeah, one of the things we did is we opened up uh, girlfriend mode from the very beginning of the game. So, um, you know, like you'll be able to have that harder challenge. Like what we found is a lot of really hardcore gamers did want to play it on that really hardcore level from the beginning. Um, something we've really struggled with internally is, you know, going through the, st- the Steam green light process was terrible for a studio. And, you know, not because we didn't get green we got greenlit and you know what was it like barely yeah. a day or two i can't remember it was like almost it, instantly it, it seemed like forever though didn't it <laughs> well it seemed like forever because steam doesn't enforce their terms of service right so you know which basically lets people attack me to their heart's content in personal nasty ways that violate steam's own terms of service but you know when that's happening to me they just don't care Um, And that's frustrating for us because it's like, do we sell a game on a service that, you know, doesn't really reflect our values as a company? And then, you know, good old games came out and, you know, they've had a lot of um, really troubling interactions with the transgender community in the last few months. Um, You know, everything from like getting in an argument with someone transgender over um, asking for a refund on a game to just some other really transphobic things. And it's like, okay, do we go with this one service that, you know, kind of, it doesn't fit our values or this other service that doesn't fit our values. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. So we're, we're crossing our fingers and we're hoping steam will, we're hoping steam will be a good, um, we're, we're hoping they'll step it up. Have you looked at itch.io at all? The thing about that, I, I love itch.io, but a lot of people don't know about itch.io, yeah, no, I know. which is really sad. And yeah. just so that our listeners know, it's it's a nascent uh, store for, for games. It's it's attempting to be a competitor with good old games and Steam. And a lot of people don't know it exists because it's new and it's very indie and it's it's really cool. And um but but anyway, it a lot of people don't know about it, so I feel like I can't in good conscience recommend that somebody only sell their game on itch.io at this point like i don't like as your friend brie i don't (laughs) think i would recommend that as a friend of the people who run itch.io i might but also i i don't know if that's a good business decision for for the scope scope of how many people would be buying revolution 60 you know what i mean like it's not it's a situation where you there's an expectation that the game will be on steam already and it is the kind of game that could do well on steam among quote-unquote hardcore gamers whereas itch.io like i think right now a lot of people are are putting games both on itch.io and on steam does that reflect what you've seen steve because because that's just my own yeah i mean i think so i mean a lot of the really small games that can't get on steam have been right we'll go on just itch.io but if they some people use both and there are some people that are selling through Humble either through the store or there's like a Humble widget that doesn't go through the store but will let someone let, – let a developer sell directly through their website. It's like a, like an embedded thing that they can right. put on their website and it doesn't list it in the store. And I think it can give – it can provide a Steam key if the developer wants, um, to. wants to. So that's another – 
that's yeah. another option. But again, then that's not allowing discoverability from like a storefront Absolutely. to be able to reach another large group of people. Yeah. And I, I know that it's kind of tough to to be constantly thinking about how many storefronts something's going to appear on because you get a different financial breakdown, like a different percentage back from each of those stores too. And, and sometimes it costs money to submit. So not for Itch.io though, it's free. So I think people feel like why not put something on Itch.io, but huh. I don't know. So they don't, did they take a certain portion of your credit card? I mean, they'd have to just to cover those fees. The share that they take, if I remember correctly, is really, really low or it's like on a, like a negotiable basis with them. So hmm. it's a pretty developer friendly storefront, but again, it's, if, if the goal is to reach, you know, who or don't necessarily consider themselves gamers, quite, quote unquote, then it's... They're, they're definitely not going to even know that this exists. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's ironic because it's exactly the type, that's exactly the audience that a place like Itch.io would want to reach. But right. unfortunately, I think a lot of these indie projects end up not ever going outside of the indie game community for better or for worse. Like I think a lot of indie developers know about Itch.io. And when I say indie developers, I mean like solo devs who are making really small games um which is great and i play a lot of their games on itch.io but it's like this really small collective of people as opposed to something like steam which is like more mid-tier do you know what i mean like there's all these different clicks in games and i feel like people don't even know about everything games is bigger than people think which is like its own topic really but yeah. Even within indie games, there's like all these different ways of thinking about how to change things and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll definitely look at it. Bree, I think you should put your game on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I already said. Both. There's nothing yeah. that's stopping one Yeah, but for discoverability... Yeah. Like this is why Steam actually can't be beaten, even for the even though it's the reasons that Brie gave about how they really messed up are terrible. It, it's not really an option to not use it. I don't think. I mean, I. But but she can do both. She could put it on Itch.io. She can yeah, put it on I Steam. Can, I, I can know, do but... both. But what is frustrating, and this is this really pisses me off, guys. Like there's been. There's been some events this week where a, a well-known male developer has been dealing with some internet attacks that I feel are unfair. Um, what frustrates me is if I go on Steam, you know, I'm going to have to deal with things a thousand times worse than that. I'm going to have people buying my game and deliberately returning it just to, mm. like, F me up. I'm going to have people right. buy it and, like... Yeah download the binary and like alter it and make pornographic versions of all the characters you know i mean i'm gonna have people like putting up reviews of it and it's gonna be personal attacks of me with just all this sleazy stuff it's like why the frack yeah should i have to deal with that just to try to make a living in this industry and it's 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 Look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Steam. Like, I appreciate that, you know, they worked with me on Steam Greenlight, and I'm happy. I'm very honored that, you know, my game was considered awesome enough to get there. But, you know, this this entire thing of harassment that's going to happen because I have a, a tool, I, I'm working with the storefront that is really, really, really geared to um enable this kind of harassment i mean it's it's scary right like i feel like i'm just back on my feet emotionally right Right. from gamergate uh 
So I don't know. I don't know. Mm. It's going to be tough. And, uh, you know, I really hope people, I really hope Isometric listeners will, you know, support our studio. You know, um, Rev60 has 24 endings. You know, I definitely think it's a it's a game worth playing through twice. So I don't know. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we have listeners who don't have yeah. an iPhone. So yeah. I yeah. guess we can pardon them for not having already ah. played yeah. it. I mean, if you're going to be stuck using Windows anyway, you may as well make your experience better Stop. by installing it. Oh, oh, stuck using Windows anyway. Oh, uh, send the hate mail to <laughs> I use Windows all day for work. Believe me, I know from which I speak. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so, let, so let's take a break and tell you all about all about Squarespace, which, and you can start building your website today at squarespace.com. And if you enter offer code isometric, you can get 10% off. And I mean, we've told you about Squarespace before. Uh, it's the easiest way to get a website set up in minutes. Uh, you don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be a graphic designer. They have templates that'll help you get set up really, really quickly. Uh, they have support to help you out through live chat and email in New York, Dublin, and Portland. So wherever you are, you'll be all set. You can sell whatever you want um, on their commerce platform. Pandas. You could sell pandas. You Well, I don't think you could sell pandas. Uh, maybe well, stuffed pandas. pandas. Stuffed pandas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could sell incriminating information <laughs> about pandas. Oh, uh, there we you go. Could skewer George's underground panda market <laughs> online. <laughs> Undercut. Undercut. You can make the website Georgia Chicken Parts Dow. Just make oh that gosh. its own website. Chicken Parts? I'm just guessing what your middle name is. I don't I don't. I, I mean, if you're not going to reveal this information, Bree's just yeah. going to assign it yeah. to you. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be Chicken Parts. That's a pretty yeah. good name anyway. Yeah. Oh. You could get Chicken Parts. Chicken Parts yeah. or something. And if you sign up oh. for a year at Squarespace, you could get chickenparts.com as your domain name because they'll throw in a domain uh, if you sign up for a year. So, you know, you could get georgiachickenpartsdow.com and then make your site. That's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could get that assuming it hasn't already been taken. Could I get georgiachickenparts.biz? You probably could. <laughs> the cool thing about Squarespace is that even the domains, though, it's like the design aspect of it that makes it easy. Well, yeah, yes. and you can have your site set up really, really quickly. You could even just set up a cover page with a one-page site as, as your tribute to Georgia. Um, you could – and and you don't have to worry about when Georgia tweets about it and a million people start coming to the site all at once. You don't have to worry about it because it's hosted on their servers and you will be mm -hmm. good to go. And then mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about having to deal with the, the fallout. Yeah, and when Georgia tries to hack your site, you'll you'll be glad to know that Squarespace I, I, keeps the who is information private, so she won't be able to find you. That's another great thing Squarespace yeah. does. Because you know Georgia's Georgia's gone to hacking school in addition to all the other things. Right, that she's absolutely. Done, so. so good at programming. That's why yeah. Bree's going to be hiring me. <laughs> Georgia's a legit uh, black hat hacker. So yeah, you're a security expert. Georgia, <laughs> after after hearing your, we don't hire violent criminals. Giant <laughs> space cat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna like send you a link to Isometrics Relay page and say this is why we can't hire you. Georgia chicken parts down. She didn't pass the background <laughs> check. I mean, unless she manages to clear her name, which she can't because we published too much evidence. Yeah, it's too late now. It's just too far gone. Well, I'm just saying. I, I deserve a trial or something. 
Wow. And, and if you want to start your trial, you can go do that with no credit card required <laughs> and go start, start building your website today at squarespace.com. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for isometric. And thank you so much to Squarespace, both for putting up with all this nonsense and for their support <laughs> of isometric and all of Relay.fm, uh, Squarespace, build it beautiful. Yay. So I, I have to I have to send files to them every, every time we oh, do really? a demo. Really? I yeah. think they might like that one. We were we were have they ever, have they ever so genuine. Like, I think we went too far. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> yet. We'll, we we'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I feel really? like the other hosts on our our family of relay podcasts are also equally goofy in their Squarespace ads. Yeah. So I, I think Squarespace okay. knows <laughs> what they're getting into here. Uh, you, have to, you have to rectify that. No, no way. We're not changing who we are. Yeah. No, that's, this that's, is our I, show. I, no, I want they more they knew what they were getting themselves into. So, Steve, I the just... next time you do a Squarespace ad, can you just call it Square Triggerboard Space? That might be See too if much. they even notice it. Oh, I think they'll notice it. I think that might be the one thing they do notice. This episode of Isometric is sponsored by Square Chicken Parts Space. Thank you. Thank you. You build it chicken parts. We tried the space shape like chicken parts and it wasn't as good as Square Space. We we should try to do our own like little like, you know, wrap for Square Space next time. Maddie, make it happen. I'm not doing that. A pokey wrap, perhaps? I have many talents, but freestyling is not one of them. I can come up with melodies, but coming up with lyrics very quickly is very difficult. I have have a lot of respect for people who can do it. Steve, can we put Steve on the spot? Okay, Georgia, give me a beatbox. Yeah, let's make Steve freestyle. This is a terrible idea. Steve, Steve, I give you permission to bail out. No one else is going to, but but I feel your pain as somebody who's had to come up with songs on the show before. I don't even think I can come up with rhyming words on the spot. Well, there's always Electro, Diglett, Nidoram, and Mankey. We're we're busy beatboxing our hearts out, guys. Come on, Steve. Come on, Steve. Come on, Squarespace. You you already even have the script. Come on, come on. Ready, ready, Bree? Okay. Yep. Oh, is he just reading the Squarespace ad in a rhythmic manner? Is that the rap? You could do that, Steve. Squarespace, yo, build it beautiful. Oh, I. I, This is is the worst. This is the worst. I'm terrible. No. I could have done a better job than that. I I could have done it. I loved it. it. Let's just send them that. It was like Dr. Dre came on our podcast, y'all. Well, I guess we could could take that and just talk about another another, uh, disaster involving music, and we can talk about. the Aww. scandal that harmonics got themselves into this week. I feel like it's it, it, for all of the sadness of this harmonics news. I feel like it's actually mean to compare it to the rap that we just did. <laughs> like I feel like that might be a little too far. But but yeah, that's, our that's, listeners that's, that's, yes, no. What what happened to harmonic? Nothing that happened to harmonics could possibly be as bad as me trying to rap. <laughs> I will I will go that far and say that. Well, people but, can let us know I what think they think. I think it was pretty good. But we'll they, share the story and the listeners can decide. Yeah. So uh, Rock Band 4 came out uh, about two weeks ago and apparently they've gotten uh, caught by putting fake review. Well, it's not really fake reviews because they're reviewing their own product, but they're reviewing their own product on Amazon written by <laughs> Harmonic staffers, which oh, our Amazon so doesn't Astroturfing really like. is what yeah. this is called. Yeah, this is a slang term for it. Yeah. And and, I mean, Amazon in general has been cracking down on reviews that are not 100 percent genuine. So this it it seems kind of shocking 
in 2015 that because because they didn't really try to hide it either the developers were posting under their real names and then someone went out and looked at the names and saw that they were harmonics employees and reached out to them and were like what what's going on and they yeah that they're like that's what we did so they it didn't even seem like they realized that this was something that you can't do which really? is kind of oh god surprising. it is very strange that is yeah. the part of the story that is the weirdest to me i right. don't <laughs> I was reading about this for the show and I felt like I felt like some reporting was missing from the people <laughs> who covered this where I was like, wait, uh, who, what do you mean? Why did this happen? Oh. Did no boss at Harmonix tell them to do this? They just each individually did this. Did they think it was funny? Like some of the responses, it seemed like the employees might have thought it was funny. Were they good <laughs> reviews? What were the reviews? Like? Yeah, they were all positive. They were, they were, positive they were five star reviews. reviews, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The same kinds of reviews that we would write of our podcast if we were to do that, which we which we wouldn't. I would give it no, six. No, I was fair and balanced, Steve. I said it was an explosion in the stupid factory. That is completely accurate. Of I would have given a six star. That, that is a I fair thought. review of our of our well, show. Well, one difference, true. one notable difference is that our podcast is free. <laughs> this video game is not free, so that's that's an example of something that's different about us reviewing our own <laughs> podcast as a joke. This, however, is yeah. perhaps less moral, morally sound. My my, no. I, I, my my thought is the 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 like who doesn't who would do that and put their real name and then think that that's all right? So can I say something about this? Sure, Please. go ahead. Yeah, I I think people are way off. On okay, this. this is what I think happened. So. Harmonix laid off. Look, Harmonix used to be a much bigger studio yeah. than they are today. Okay, so I, I would ask you to remember, like, they just kickstarted Amplitude and squeaked in, okay? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, Harmonix is not a juggernaut these days. Like, they're, they are, um, you know, they're, they're a small studio. And, you know, they did bring in a bunch of fresh, you know, meaning very young talent. Um, you know, I know they have people there that's their first game to work on ever. And my view of this is, like, they, they, you work so hard for your game. Like I'm so proud of Rev 60 and you just want people to play it. And I think like, you know, there is a Twitter account out there and it's run by obviously someone that's a teenager or a little bit older and it's called mean plastic. And what this, this person does is just like takes other people's viral tweets and takes the content and then writes it under her own name and puts it out there. And she has like half a million Twitter followers from that. And like she just feels no compunction about doing it. Like, hey, what what's up? There's no rules here. Who cares? And I think it's in that same way that you're dealing with some people that just very genuinely were like, I'm really proud of my work here. I just want yeah. people to know about it. And, you know, Harmonic's upper management came in and was like, oh, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and I yeah. think it was just something dumb by some younger people that are working at that studio. Because the people Polygon mentioned their article, like, I live in Boston and I know most game developers here and I don't know any of those people. People. Yeah. So you know, yeah, like yeah. they must be new, newer folks, right? Yeah, yeah. and well, it, I mean that that makes which, sense that they would just be excited and kind of went rogue yeah. in a way. But it's still the kind rogue, of thing, that... Steve. But it's just not. It's not right. Is the thought is that it, no, like, yeah. you know, they could have just not. said, "Listen, I worked on this game, but I just want to say it's amazing, it's fabulous," and then no one would really, you know, bat an eye. Um, it, it's that they didn't <laughs> mention that. 
And then they're like, you know, love playing it with my friends. This is awesome. Different combinations of frets and, you know, but they don't actually mention. And I, I wrote that, you know, like, I love the button pressing. The person that was working on it was so talented. Me. <laughs> I got to create a likeness of Georgia chicken part style. I don't work at, at, at harmonics. I've never don't been judge on the me. Ice Mr. Podcast ever. <laughs> the best podcast. Yeah. Wow, can they ever rap? <laughs> well, I I wonder if it's also sort of along the same reasons why we would review our own podcast. Like like it's in that same spirit where they sort of have forgotten how much money is on the line and like like we all I don't think I wrote a review of Isometric, but I think when we first started out, I went in and gave it five stars because we were starting out and I was like, I want to help surface this in iTunes. And so I just, I, I think I went in there and and did at least that, but I, I wasn't really thinking about it in those terms, you know? And, and so I think maybe if you are really naive and you aren't really thinking about like, oh no, this is a product that people are going to buy. I get that. (laughs) I get that. I get that. Uh, like I don't just, know. You, I'm trying to. Be, I'm trying to evoke it, some <laughs> compassion, but I. I actually am not feeling that compassionate about this. It seems it could be. You're so used to. You're so used to writing reviews. Yeah. And you do that for games. And so uh, yeah, it's your that's game definitely and so you a, care about it a lot. Well, but also I'm so used to having to constantly stipulate my own affiliations that it just is bonkers to me that somebody would not do it. But whatever. Yeah. Eh, that's my own background, <laughs> clearly. Well, and, and, you know, they also have some technical issues that they're trying to work through, yeah, too, which yeah. don't help. Yeah, let's talk and about that. We, do we want to talk about that? The The big draw of the game is that they are allowing you to bring in your your downloadable content from the prior platforms, except that... Most of it, at least the stuff that's coming in that was bought on the discs, like if you if you bought Rock Band 1 and then you bought Rock Band 2, you could import your games from Rock Band 1 into Rock Band 2. And most of that is not working right now. And they're they're working now on getting Rock Band 3 compatibility into Rock Band into Rock Band 4, but that's not working either. So there's some people who are upset about some of the the promises that were made that are taking a little bit longer to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, like, I, whoever the lawyer is that managed to work with the music industry to get that agreement, like, hey, guys, uh, could you agree to let everyone re-download all this music on a new system that wasn't in the original legal agreements for free? Can can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, whoever, whoever pulled that off, like, Apple needs to hire them immediately <laughs> to work yeah. on their television content team. Especially given how tight-fisted the music industry right. notoriously right. is. right. Yeah. Like, oh my God, who, what did that lawyer do? Did he go to their offices and like, sign it, accept the contract right now? Uh, I think maybe they made some arguments that uh, might have been a little disingenuous, but I know that at the time, Rock Band did help some bands sell more records, although I don't know whether that would be the case with a sequel that reuses the same songs. That would be a really tricky argument to make. Because it's not like people are going to go out and buy all the same stuff again in iTunes or whatever. If they already have it there, <laughs> that stuff isn't going away as far as we know. <laughs> um, but the Rock Band stuff, I don't know. Convincing people to buy the songs again in Rock Band is like a whole other problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and apparently one other wrinkle that is going to make some people angry, not yet, but it's going to, is that the only way to get the stuff from the older games into Rock Band 4 is to have already imported them into Rock Band 3. And they're pulling Rock Band 3 off the store around the time that this episode is going to be live. So if you, so if you have Rock Band (laughs) two and you've never bought Rock Band three and then you said, oh, I want to bring my Rock Band two games into Rock Band four, you're gonna have a rude awakening for you. Is my understanding? I can't do that, really. I'm gonna lose iCarly. Headphones on. on, The the best song in the the best song on the disc. I love that song. Uh, It's saying right here from a blog post that they put out: you must export legacy rock band titles into Rock Band Three for your account to be validated as as an owner of this content. Only then will it be available for free re-download in Rock Band Four within the same console family as we make that content available. So So... everything's TBD (laughs) except for Rock Band Blitz and everything, and you have to have Rock Band Three on presumably on a have either have done it already or have a working xbox 360 or ps3 to import all that stuff into before you can export it into rock band 4 the future is so annoying (laughs) oh yeah just so many trials we must endure you know so so i guess that's a psa for our listeners if you don't have (laughs) rock band 3 and you ever want to get your older games into rock band 4 go buy rock band 3 right now but (sighs) but if you're like a person who wanted to do that then did you not know that? I mean, I, I didn't know I that. Know. No. All right. I mean, I'd have done it already. It's not a problem, but I didn't know right. that that was the only way you were going to be able to get it. They did. That wasn't clear from, you know, before launch that, that particular detail. Yeah. yeah. Steve, right, maybe Nickelback needs to eat. I mean, how <laughs> selfish are you that you won't oh, give gosh. Nickelback another $20 to download their, their, their album straight from God. <laughs> what, what, God. I'm pretty sure they still sell out stadiums, like even though they are Nickelback. <laughs> they're, they're I don't know starving. who is Nickelback buying... is like inexplicably still making money, I think. I don't know how that happened, but let's launch a side project that's just about like bands that are inexplicably popular. And we we, we don't have to talk about that on this show. Yeah. But it is fascinating. <laughs> they've they've signed some sort of dark contract with uh with Beelzebub <laughs> to get that to happen. Oh my but... gosh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> There's some fanfic you could uh you could write. Nickelback Absolutely. Fanfic. Or like a campfire story I could tell this Halloween. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> speak, speaking speaking of uh, of developers who are doing things that are questionable, we can talk about this other story that came out on, on Polygon this week about a company called Beta Dwarf that is working on a game called Forced Eternal Arenas that is not going to be ready for several months, but they've run out of money. And now they're asking all of their workers to work for free uh, until the game is released. And apparently they took a vote and everyone agreed to to do that um, contingent on the fact they're going to be getting some percentage of the the proceeds of the game once it's released. And there was this this story came out. It was it was framed as very positive in the polygon article and then there was or, this... or i would say inspiring inspiring or, or yeah. sort of um positive is, is sort of a tricky way to to put it but but maybe it, inspiring it felt like a human interest story basically right right framed as something that people should be putting money into and a lot of the comments are from people being like i'm i'm sending the money and right. stuff 
And, and then you found this other story the next day, Maddie, that I did, from someone yeah. named um, named Rob Remakes. He, yeah, he goes by Rob Remakes. If yeah. I don't know his real name because um, he doesn't seem to have it online. But he, he published this really, really, I thought, really good blog post about uh, his problems with the narrative framing of this story. And um, links in the show notes. And I, I do recommend people, people read this, this guy's post. Uh, basically, just saying a lot of the stuff that that we talk about on this show a lot, which is about how it's really dangerous to, and, and kind of irresponsible to sort of encourage people to to think in this way about the way that money works in game development and, and to sort of idealize the, the concept of people working for free for six months during crunch. I mean, we, I don't remember if you said this, Steve, but this is during crunch. Yeah. Like, it's not just that they're, finishing up this game in the next six months and they're all working nice comfy 40 hour weeks and then going home with their families like like crunch can be 50 hour 60 hour 80 hour weeks depending it doesn't i don't know here how many hours but but that's the expectation and like to tell the developers to rely on a payout that may or may not happen it seems really irresponsible to me to, to frame that in such an idealistic way. And um, this post by Rob lays out a lot more details why he does a monetary breakdown of even if the game is a success and sells a million copies very quickly um, was his example. Then the developers who are working for free right now are only going to get a percentage of half of that. So, that means he basically broke it down. And according to his math, each of them would only get $27,000 each if they sell a, a million. And that's really, wow. really yeah. bonkers. And yeah. and just like reading the numbers that he lays out was really illuminating to me personally. And, and I wish that that had been the original story, although it wouldn't have been as heartwarming to read, obviously. Um <laughs> I just I don't know. So so what do you guys think about this? Like I I to me this is like a journalism question where I feel like it's actually really important for us as games journalists or whatever kind of journalist but it's definitely a problem in games to be really questioning the structures of games and talking about crunch and and like investigating this stuff and ideally pushing back against it. I mean, I understand why the story was written the way that it was. And it's, I it's no slight to the writer, original writer, but I, I, cause I think it's a systemic problem. You know what I mean? Like it's not just this one writer who's framing it in this way. It's a, uh, something that happens again and again. I, I think you're dead on. Um, something that, you know, I do have a question about is, you know, is this in a country with like a guaranteed basic minimum income? It is. Well, yeah. it's they have health insurance, I think. So there's that. Yeah. But but they, and they've it's... taken out a Kickstarter to help some of the more the less well off people who can't afford to work to, to work for free, be able to pay rent and stuff like that. So it doesn't sound like there's necessarily like a guaranteed minimum in that way. I mean, yeah, you're right. And I mean, I think it's really hard that, you know, I do want to see more studios give the people that make games equity or at least stock options, right? Um, 
You know, and I mean, like at our studio, I don't mind telling you for Rev60, a lot of the founders of our company uh, ended up getting you know, proceeds of the game as we sold it, you know? So, you know, and that's that's something I'm not, I'm sure we'll come to a more financially complicated arrangement in the future. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something I think we should be moving towards. But, you know, this idea that game developers should feel lucky to develop for free free. I mean, we've just got to get past that. You know, I mean, Steve, you and I both know that being a software developer is one of the few jobs you can have today that will pay you a living wage. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, you have a relatively nice house and like yeah. a, a, a normal car. And it's crazy that that makes you like richer than a lot of other people I know, but that's yeah. the sad reality yeah. in 2015. And I'm thankful and, for it all the time. And, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, I think we've got to get past this idea that, you know, game development is a, a job without value. And, you know, I can say at our studio going forward, um, you know, as we're about to announce some of these really big things we've been working on for the last year. One of our very deliberate hiring strategies is to, you know, I'm not going to participate with burn and churn, and we're going to be looking for, you know, 30-something engineers that are parents that have kind of been pushed out of the workforce generally and say to them, like, look, we want your experience. We want your expertise. We will let you leave at five. If you need to go pick up your kid from school, we'll work with you. And, like, come over here. We're going to build you a decent work culture. And, you know, I, I just think that this burn and churn, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think it just uh, cycles a lot of talent out of the industry. And I think there's another way. Yeah. And, I mean, it's also assuming all of this that the game's going to be a success, which isn't – yeah, I mean, like this is all based on percentages. Like, yeah. like I'm rereading Rob's breakdown again, and and it's it's all percentages on future sales, which right. are not guaranteed at all. I mean, the the Kickstarter stuff or or whatever crowdfunding thing they're doing right now is money they'll get right away, I, I guess. But the rest of this stuff, I there's just yeah. no guarantee that people are going to earn anything back. And yeah, I don't and, know. That's and I, mean, I, I, I feel and, like I have to push back on this just a bit yeah. because I think sometimes when you know, people that are generally on the left discuss this, you're talking about people that there's like this assumption that employers are sitting there with a huge thing of money and we just don't want to turn on the spigot. I mean, my husband and I bootstrapped our company. Sure. From, you know, like there were times in, in shipping Rev 60 that to pay my staff, like this is, I swear to God, this is true. Frank and I could not pay for groceries at some points in development. What we would do is we would go and get a huge pot and we would make a huge thing of red beans and rice. And I would eat it breakfast, lunch and dinner some days to get through development. And, you know, while I'm very sympathetic to the, the like labor concerns of that equation, you know, the truth is the person paying all the salaries is then taking 100% of the risk there, right? Yeah. There's someone out there that is, is saying, okay, I will bet that this game will have We'll, we'll make all this money back and I will get all my money there. So, like, no matter which way it goes, you're asking someone to diversify to, to accept that risk, right? Well, yeah, but in this case, it's everybody, right? I mean, it's not just the employees that are getting 
the percentage. It's everybody. Like that's how everyone is. Everyone has been asked to take on the risk. Yeah. Everyone has been asked to to eat red beans and rice in this case, and, and they've agreed to do it. Yeah. yeah, and it's not and it's not stock options that that they're getting. It's it's you know a percentage of sales, which makes it a little bit unless the game. I mean, obviously, all these people believe that this game is going to be a smashing success, but the, I mean the. I'm I'm just kind of thinking it of it from, you know, a full-time employee perspective because that's where I am and that the reason that I'm not doing my own thing is because I need that security, right? Like that's right. that's kind of the deal that you go into when you're you're not shoulder you're not you're not necessarily reaping the the grand benefit of of the company's success, but you're also getting the stability of, you know, a steady paycheck and and health insurance. I mean, obviously in Denmark it's a little bit different. Um, but I mean, especially looking at, I, I looked at the steam spy numbers and I, I'm going to preface this by saying, I don't necessarily believe everything that's there because I I've, you know, done my own, uh, done, done some looking at, at some of the thing, the analysis that steam spies done. And I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's the only number we have, um, and forced has sold 500,000 copies over the last two years. The first game from this studio. I, that's having participated in a number of Steam sales and stuff like that. So it's just – I'm just thinking of it not so much like uh, the evil employer perspective but just from uh, putting myself in, in the shoes of somebody who would be on the other end of that. I couldn't – I mean I'm glad that all these people believe so strongly in their product and I think that that's good for the product. But I, I, I'm i putting myself in, my sho- in their shoes and I don't know that I could make that same decision. Yeah, I, I think it's also – I mean it's it's – really important to just remember that like we're Americans and <laughs> like even Georgia's probably like, why are they so worried about health insurance? <laughs> um, but, but that's like a serious concern here. And and that's probably something that just isn't a concern for these employees. That said, I think that that should have been part of how the original piece was framed. <laughs> like it can't, this is being read by American gamers who are internalizing this sort of romantic idea of the games industry being a place where your passion feels everything and it will always work out. And like that I think is really tricky. And I feel like I don't actually see that many articles about how often games fail because nobody wants to read that, obviously. Like no one will click on that. I know why that doesn't exist. Um but it it's it's a huge reality. Like there's so many examples of studios that close or games that just start and don't even have a big enough team to like get anywhere. And I I don't know. It's it's romantic to think about art in this way, but it's also kind of damaging. And I think that like in our country in particular, we have some really weird ideas about like how hard you have to work in order to deserve something. Like even just the way that we approach health insurance here is is very weird. I'm getting political here but you know as a former freelancer <laughs> who you know worried about my health insurance a lot uh, it was it was like a real concern so so maybe i'm coming at this with my own bias and maybe these 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 people are actually doing pretty well cuz they live in a country that's supporting this sort of work um that could be part of it but i i don't know i just wish that was more part of like how we talk about the way that people start companies here and and particularly artistic companies where, where people come in with all these idealized notions about how you shouldn't have to worry about money. It's art and you should just be here for passion and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's very irresponsible. I think. I, I feel, I feel like I need to, I, I, I generally agree with everything you just said. I, I feel like I have to say 
it's not like people in other countries have an advantage to get a marketable video game out the door. Um, I would say very generally speaking, you know, if you were not an American, you're kind of at a a big disadvantage to get into a lot of these systems. And, you know, Mm. like I've gone all over the world this year, you know, I've talked to indie game developers all over the world. And as, as tough as it is for indie devs here, you know, like there are a lot of advantages to, yeah. to being in the American system. I mean, the press too. is yeah. here, the technology center is here, you know, the systems that kind of decide what does and doesn't have merit are here. Um, so I, I think that's very tricky. I think it's very tricky. And, you know, I, I'm certainly sympathetic to, you know, we need to, to pay people, you know, you, <sighs> You're right, this romantic notion about suffering for art. We, we've we got to get past it. But uh, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, Steve, I look at your life and I would never want to have a, right. a job like that. Right? right. You know, like, um, yeah, I guess I'm in a very fortunate position to, yeah. to not have that stress on top of me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, well, it's yeah, just a mess. Well, yeah, but like one know? could say that of my life, too, because I'm in the fortunate position of being able to freelance and now I work for a publication for, for now, but like I was able to sort of take a lot of risks in my own writing career because I don't have kids. I was a single person for a long time. So I was able to come just worry about myself and like not really have to worry about supporting another person and so on and so forth. So, so that is also a position of privilege in, in a certain way that Steve doesn't have, obviously like, like that's not Steve's position. So I can take creative risks that, that some people just can't. So, I mean, I don't know. And I do think that journalism like benefits people with my type of privilege, like single people who can just do whatever and like work weird schedules and not have to worry about kids. (laughs) Like that's another form of privilege that makes it easier for people to work in creative fields, frankly. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm even coming from it from a more risk averse perspective because I have two kids who are on the autism spectrum. So right, it's like, yeah. it's not even, it's, it's beyond even just, do I have health like, insurance? Like you could it's also, never work at a place like this, Steve, right? I mean, you could never do cause, it. Cause I mean, like, God forbid I lost my house. Like, you know, the school we're, we're living where we are because the school district is fantastic for, you know, for my kids who are on the spectrum and, and doing things really well for them developmentally. And it would be, a, a huge loss for them if I we God forbid we lost the house and we had to go to like a you know a different school district yeah. where they didn't have that kind of support you know so there's there's a lot of other things that that go into that for me too but you know everyone has their own situation I mean I I hope I wish these people all the success I hope that it works out for them I mean obviously everyone who the, who made this decision felt that this was a risk that they could live with yeah and and I hope I hope for their sake that it work does work out um. You know, I, I want them to be successful. Hopefully it will be. Yeah. Um, Georgia Chicken Parts Dow, do you have any opinions <laughs> on this? Yeah. yeah. Are you alive? Uh, Are you alive? I'm, I'm live. Well, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, I feel it, you know, it's really nice they asked them. This was not something that they were forced upon. Um, but there's two things in play. So one is that, you know, once a whole set of the group, the, the herd mentality says that we're going to do it, you, you have a really strong set of pressure to not abandon your team that you've been working with when they need you. And I think that that puts undue pressure on the worker to say yes, even if they're like, you know what, 
I don't know if I can do this because it's almost the same feeling of when you're like in with, with a troop, you've been with them. This is going to be a difficulty. Am I going to abandon yeah. something that I feel very strongly for? And so I worry about being placed in a position where you're a little bit strong armed to make a decision that you might not want to make. Yeah, you'd be letting or may them not down. be the best decision yeah. for you. Right. And then the second thing would be they're, they're gambling. And I believe that when you work on a project and you really believe in it, you end up with a mind sink of thinking that it, there's no way that this could fail because I believe so much in it. And so I think that as Maddie had very beautifully said that they believe in the dream that of course this is going to make money and we're all going to end up okay in the end. And I think that if the game does not do that well and they end up with a pittance for the amount of time that they've spent there, how bitter and how upset might they be afterwards? So I deal a lot with caretakers and caretakers are people that are the nicest people in the world, but they're always giving more than they feel comfortable with. And because of that, eventually they start becoming passive aggressive towards that and feeling like it isn't just, and they won't say anything about it and they'll keep on plodding on, but it's a huge toll to their own psyche. And so if this game doesn't do well, I can bet that there'll be a lot of very upset people. They may not show it outwardly because they're caretakers and they, they're going to be nice about it, but inwardly in their families and the cost that they've had to make and the sacrifice for a game and a dream that may not pan out, that is not their dream, to dream that they've been hired into, I, I worry about that. And, you know, they, they've made this choice, and I hope that it pans out well for everyone. But it doesn't feel really clean. Yeah. We'll leave it on that sunny yeah. note. Oh, my <laughs> okay. gosh, Georgia. Wow. That was like the most intense thing you've ever said on the show. <laughs> was it really? I, I, wow. You put it very <laughs> well, though. That. I really, I'm glad you... Put it that way. So let's wrap up. So let's okay. let's talk about quickly. So what, what about what we're playing? So Bree, you've you've been without us for Death so long. Death Doctor. Death Doctor. Sorry. Death Doctor. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, to to use your slave name again. I apologize. I didn't want to cause you any distress. So Death Doctor, what are you what have you been playing this week? I feel compelled to point out that slave name that is a an x-men reference just to okay, be very clear you. on the show um wait, that's been... probably a really good thing that you mentioned because okay. i didn't know that okay and good, i good, love good. x-men yeah, good, good, i didn't good. know that either so yeah mystique says that and i um, love mystique because people I should know more like about marvel so right sorry, continue. seriously i judge them <laughs> we I judge should them. we probably should uh i've been playing so much destiny <laughs> i've been playing so much destiny God, I love Destiny. You know what game I love is Destiny. So, all right, all right. Steve, we're about to figure out what it's like when people listen to you talk about football. So I was <gasps> playing Hearthstone. this weekend. And I, was doing, <laughs> I was doing Core of Oryx, and it was great because I kept working with my guild, put a bunch of two and level three wounds in there, and I went through and did that, and I got a level 300, like, uh, special class item for my hunter. And then I went through, I got this great legendary level sni sniper rifle. So what I'm going to do is no matter what greens and blues I get, I'm going to go through and I'm going to feed it into it and then make it ascend with legendary engrams by like getting it to buff up and chew that up in this legendary sniper rifle and get 80% of the light points so I can get my light which is now at 280 and kind of to get closer to 300 so that is what I'm doing and this weekend I'm going to keep playing Destiny and I'm going to feel no guilt even though I know you Steve Bladonovich, Lubitz, 
are sitting here judging me. For I'm not judging Destiny, you. And no you one's too, judging you. You know what? Because what you said, yeah. I could translate that into Hearthstone. It would sound almost exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. At this yeah. point, I, I could see myself yeah. having that same string with different proper nouns, and Maddie and Georgia would be rolling their eyes at me just as hard. So yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We all have a thing like that anyway, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. But keep going, Steve. No, I, I just read Maddie, somewhere that there's so like cool. some exotic yeah. weapon called No Time to Explain, and I thought that that just <laughs> sounded like the perfect weapon In for you. In Destiny, yeah. Oh, that's great. There, there is actually a weapon called No Time to Explain. I don't know I'm if it's photoshopped it or if it's real. But I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. If, if it's if it's real, I think you need to get that ASAP. Oh my god, it's a pulse rifle. I'm not really a big fan of pulse rifles. Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah. think you need to become a fan of pulse rifles to to use this weapon because you I think that, that is the perfect weapon for you. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, <laughs> or perhaps the perfect weapon for any Destiny fan among our yeah. listeners who has been having trouble relating to others who don't yeah. play Destiny. <laughs> uh. I don't judge you, Destiny fans. I'm one of you. So the other gig, can I tell you guys about a horrible, horrible experience? This is truly one of my, <laughs> the worst things that's ever happened to me in my whole gaming like life. So look, I had that awesome Polygon article about Femsnake, right? Yep. So you go on, on Polygon and right there, there she is, my Femsnake. She's awesome. And she's right there on the front page of Polygon. And it's like, I've played through the whole game with my thumb snake. And she's like, I love this character so much because I've like played all these stupid Metal Gears, but they're so over testosterinated. And I'm like, F that. And now it's like, I get to play as my character, my thumb snake. So I finally go through and I beat the game and I'm working on uh, chapter two of it, which basically has you recycling all the missions again for a little bit more story. And I get to a point where I can't, upgrade all my my weapons at mother base so i go all right i'll at least try their dumb online functions and i do it so i finally take the game online even though i know it's not going to be good and you know i'm playing through and i try sneak into a rival base and i'm killed and what happens is my fem snake my fem snake obsidian mole is permanently killed. Oh my god. Oh. That's in terrible. a game where it's so hard oh. to recruit women. Oh my god. Because oh. like 99% of the drops you get are dudes in this game. Oh, that sucks. So they kill this character that I love. That I feel oh, no. so passionately oh my about. God. Now the That's one like such a betrayal. I know. And for their stupid online functions, so the <laughs> one good side of it is so, um, you know, I had another female soldier on backup. Her name was Flaming Buffalo. <laughs> now, this that is the actually, best name. Right, right. I'm happy it's not just me that you make up. Right. I think, right. I think you, you should you should gift that name to Georgia now because that, no, that is perfect. Steve. Maddie Flaming Buffalo <laughs> Myers. Oh. Use, use every part of the flame. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> um, no, um... You know, so, and she actually, she looks more like me. Like, she's she's got a ponytail, like a high ponytail on her head. And she kind of, she looks pissed off all the time. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of relate to this one. But it's like, I want Obsidian Mole back. Even though I'm not, like, you know, Chinese. Like, I want that, that character back. So what I've been doing right. is farming women. <laughs> farming women <laughs> prisoners. 
in metal Aww. gear because there are not that many women that they like design faces for so what they did is they made this really dynamic system for like generating millions of dudes faces and then there are like 20 women so i've been farming women by like beating this one mission over and over again but it's not just that you get the same face you have to have the same face and she has to be the same class you know, like she can't be an R and D or a surgeon. She has to be a, a soldier. So I'm working on it, and it's slow. And I've probably had to blow ten hours so far in that game farming women to find and resurrect my obsidian mole. So oh. I will let you know when it happens. Ouch. That's that's uh, one of the saddest stories you've ever told on this show. Babe. I know. I'm really sad for you because I know. Sad. I read your piece and I it's it's really too bad and and I feel your pain not directly but like getting to play as a female character in only multiplayer or like only in certain scenarios it's always really sad when the game takes that away and yeah anyway yep so so Georgia what are you playing this week um I I played a really neat game um from uh, Ben he was showing it to me as we were at release notes and it's called Circle Square, and it's a really quick, it's just a hand-eye coordination game where you see, um, so you see a visual of a circle or a square, and then you have to tap either the circle and square on the bottom, but you get the opposite word. So you're supposed to, you see a circle, but it says square. And so we're actually working with the two hemispheres of your brain. And so one part of your brain gets one message, and the other part of your brain gets the visual message. And since they don't, they conflict it causes a time shortage as we have to figure out which one to press. And you're only supposed to press for the image, not for the word. And then you try to tap the right one. And so it's a hand-eye coordination game of speed, but it's kind of neat because I, I like messing with the brain hemispheres, which is kind of fun. And so that's it. It's just kind of timed and cute. And if you like those timed of fast reaction time games, this one would probably be a lot of fun for you. Cool. So it's like when they like those those brain teasers where they show you the word yes. and it's written in a different color than the word is. Exactly the yeah. same thing. Oh, cool. Ugh, those are so hard. They are because you're 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 messing with what you actually get, and we're so used to reading. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Like having to say the word yellow, but it's written in blue text or whatever yeah. that stuff. Perfect. I'm terrible yes. at those. I mean, so is everyone. Like, yeah. So are yeah. human beings. <laughs> yes. If if if, Eng- if in English, if English is your first language, if it's a secondary language, it's actually going to be much more easier for you. Yeah, because you won't be seeing the word in the same way. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Exactly. So, Betty, what are you playing this week? Um. So the Street Fighter Five beta is out this week, <laughs> and I spared you all last time. I didn't talk about it last time I played it, but um, I'll just do a quick update on it. Uh, so last time during the beta, um, you could only play people online. You couldn't play locally at all. I guess they just didn't have that part ready yet, so you couldn't you couldn't do it. So last time, uh, Zach and I had to switch off every three matches, and like he would play three matches online, and then I'd play three matches, and in between it would just pop you back into training mode each time. And also you couldn't very easily change your character yet, so um, I ended up playing as Cammy a lot because Zach likes playing as Cammy, and it was just too annoying to switch it out because of the way it was set up. So um, it was fine, but part of why I didn't have that much to say last time was because of how limited the UI was at that time. Like there was just not that much going on yet, but this time um, 
The beta is quote unquote broken in the sense that now it only allows for local play, oh. which is exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> so it's friggin' awesome. And probably everybody besides Zach and me is really annoyed because they can't play anybody besides the computer. But for us, it's really great because all we really wanted to do was play each other because that's what we do normally. And we don't usually play people online, although we do sometimes, um, but usually we just play each other. And so that's actually been really, really cool. Like we have been just playing each other in Street Fighter V and there's only four characters available right now. Although um, I think as of tonight, they're putting another one in, but I haven't played it yet because I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> but I, I think I think there's another character. But um, yeah, so so I've been playing as Armika. Oh, and they've also finally fixed it so that you can switch between characters much more easily as well. So I actually got to like try everybody out really easily. And like Zach got to try everybody out. It's it's cool. It's been really fun. Um, but I, I think I'm going to end up playing as Armika uh, for the actual game. Because I really like uh, what they've done with her character. She's a grappler, which ordinarily I'm not that into, but but I do really like the way that she plays. It's not all the full circles like Zangief uses, which is like you have to move the joystick in a full circle before pressing a button, which is actually is pretty hard. I mean, it's doable, but it's kind of annoying. She has a lot more half circle and quarter circle moves, so it's it's easier to do the grabs. Um, and she's like a a really powerful character, which is I play a lot of like tank characters as classes in other games so I, I tend to like gravitate towards that kind of thing because I, I fantasize about being wildly powerful in real life so anyway I, I like I like the fact that I can like kill somebody in three hits while playing as this sprightly blonde lady I like that a lot and um I don't like all the boob bouncing in this game we've talked about that before on this show and I, I still don't like it yeah. I still don't like the way the camera treats these characters I've written about it plenty at the Mary Sue, <laughs> which people have seen if they follow my Twitter. Um, but I'm going to say some compliments in favor of Armika in contrast to those elements, which I don't like. Um, the voice actor, she is extremely good. She sounds really tough in all of her lines, but also is delivering comedic lines in a way that's funny and clever. The lines are great. Um, I really like how her screams are not sexualized, which is something that I found that it seems really hard to do in a fighting game. Like a lot of times the women's screams will sound uh, like they're enjoying being hit. I don't know how else to put that, but I think you all know what I mean. Um, it's It seems to be like a bit of an acting challenge for people to figure out how to do that. But I, I think the Armika voice actor, she's really nailing it. And um, I really like the things that Armika says, even when she loses, like she'll be like, oh, are you kidding me? And and stuff like that, as opposed to sort of screaming helplessly or or having these other reactions that make her sound more like a passive character. It's it's a small thing, but it's something that I noticed immediately and really enjoyed about the game. And it, can, it, I, can I say something about this, man? Yeah, for sure. Okay, sure. so if I had something, a really awesome gift for you, <laughs> would you want no i'm not i'm not saying this to be funny like would you want to know about it now like can i just tell this to you because it's really relevant to what you're saying okay sure what okay is it? cool so i got to hang out a ton with the voice actress for armika what? at a convention a few weeks ago and i met her i'm friends with her on facebook and she is just the nicest 
most awesome woman ever. And I was telling her, I'm like, you know, my friend Maddie Myers is a really huge fan of your character in Street Fighter. Oh, my Would God. Would you please uh, record an incoming <gasps> voice message for her? Are you and serious? she said, right Yes, totally. I will no. totally do that. So what oh. I will do, I'll, I forgot to do this. So as soon as I get off, I will, I will, um, I will, you know, tell her to friend you on Facebook. And, you know, you can say all this awesome things about her performance because she is so nice in real life. She is such a vibrant, That's awesome. awesome woman. And she's a level 10 feminist, but she's, she's likable and spunky and awesome. And we are a hundred percent going to work with her in the future at our oh studio. Oh my God. She's so, so yeah. good. Yeah. You will be lucky to have her because she's so excellent in this. I yeah. don't even know about any of her other work, but like, this is it's the first really thing she's hard done. to do. This is oh, the seriously? first major thing she's wow. done. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. Well, that's really awesome because it was a standout performance and like above all the main thing that is making Armika a great character. I, I mean, like she would not be a good character without the voice actor adding to that. I, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I right. knew you would freak out. So, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what do you want her to say on your your your? She probably can't say like I am Armika. You know, like that will that will get her. She in can't trouble. say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm so overwhelmed. Get her to get her to record like an intro for the show or something. Oh man, we should. Be I'll sick. have her do that. I'll have her do that. Great, yeah. great, great. Have her say isometric workers roll out. <laughs> isometric workers roll out. <laughs> Love it. Uh. Oh, that's right. so awesome. Now Steve I forget Warner. everything else yeah. I was going to say because I'm Yay. too starstruck by potentially hanging out with Armika. Oh, that's my awesome. God. Okay, somebody else has to talk. I don't know. I have no other further thoughts on Street Fighter. I'm okay. now done. <laughs> I, I don't believe that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I got to play Transformers Devastation this weekend. I have no idea if it's any good because I was spending too much time fanboying out the whole time I was playing it. <laughs> but... It's it's basically like watching a cartoon from the 80s and playing through it, and it's it I liked it a lot. I, I only played, like, the first couple of chapters because it was, like, a one-day Redbox rental, and then I gave it back because I had too many other things going on this week. But um, the And the twins watched it with me. My oldest was decided that she doesn't like Transformers, so that's strike two after Pokemon. Mm. That, you know, and one more, and then we're going to have to have, you know, a talk about her performance in the family. But Oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> But it, it's basically like playing like playing a cartoon and, it, and there's no visual difference between when, you know, the cartoon uh, segments like the story segments are happening and then all of a sudden you're just playing it and there's the combos weren't too terrible. I know you were mad. You were worried that I wasn't going to be able to. <laughs> I was so worried about you, Steve. I was just worried. I was just up all night being like, is Steve going to be able to handle the combos and Transformers? But it's got it's got these cool mechanics where you're like transforming into the car and then you get up to top speed and then you you transform into the robot and then smash the, the enemy as you're transforming back into the robot. And that does like extra damage. It breaks through shields. And there's like an extra attack at the end where you transform into the car and smack into them. And you can, there's, you can uncover secrets by like transforming into a car in the air and then slamming down. And um, like I said, I've, I, I think cool. it completely depends on how much nostalgia you have for the original Transformers series. Cause I don't know that there's very much there if not, but it hit all those buttons for me. Like, the, the nostalgia buttons. So I'm when I have more time, I'm going to pick it up and finish it. But I liked it, what I played of it, a ton, and, and I'm really like pleasantly surprised by huh. it. So worth worth fifty dollars. I don't I don't know because I I've heard that it's very short, um, and I don't know how much replay value there is. There is a challenge mode, 
but I don't know how much you necessarily would want to go back through it. That's what that's one of the reasons that I didn't like insta buy it because I'm like I enjoyed what I played of it, but I I went through like the first two chapters in like an hour of play, and I heard that there's maybe eight chapters in it or something like that. So I was I was kind of like I don't know, and I don't really I, I've got other things that I need to work on right now anyway. Um, but if you I know that the RC thing is a you know is an omission that is problematic, but I think you would I mean you like Bayonetta and you like Transformers, so I think you would like it if you played it. Um, I just don't know as a $50 game, you know, for what it is, but then again, for $50 to nerd out on Transformers nostalgia, it's probably worth it. So, hmm. all know. right. I'll remember that. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention, we, uh, we bought the Gears of War remake to, to play that with Frank and I, oh, and I yeah. have to say, Maddie, um, I realize we're out of time for today's yeah. show, but I, I have to say like, um, that is a really testosterone-filled game. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. You, you can you said, really tell that my fandom for that game began before I knew what feminism was. Yeah, you can yeah. super-duper yeah. tell. Yeah. Have you praised the, 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 the narrative before? Um, I think I've praised my extensive fan fictions about Marcus and Dom, which might oh. not be reflected in the game at all, but <laughs> are present in my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the game's going to be way more fun if you just assume that Marcus is in an unrequited love situation with his straight friend Dom. It's okay. going to be it's yeah. going to be a better game if you just put that read on it. Okay, I can yeah. do that. And and the only other <laughs> the only other thing that I have to say is that we got Yoshi's Woolly World, which I have nothing to say about it except for the fact that we also got the pink yarn Yoshi amiibo, which is the most adorable thing in the world. Uh-huh. Is the so, game not good? You have nothing to say about the they, game. They've been pl- I, they've been playing it on their own. I actually haven't even I I haven't had a chance to play it myself. So, so. maybe next week. Maybe next right. week I'll get I'll get my hands on it. But the the Yoshi yarn. If you're thinking about from the pictures getting the yarn Yoshi amiibo, it is like ten times more adorable in person than it is in pictures. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's something. I mean, you might want to <laughs> you might want to wait for the mega yarn Yoshi though, Brie, which is going to be like the full stuffed animal sized. <gasps> Yoshi Amiibo. My dogs will chew it up. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a risk. Yeah. Yeah. But it might be a risk you're willing to take for the <laughs> sake of cuteness. That's yeah. true. But that's the, true. It, it's, oh, it's it's like too much cute in one place. So, uh, is Georgia, is your talk going to be up from, from release notes? And Brie, is your talk going to be up from Grace Hopper online anywhere that we know of? Or uh, I haven't looked to see if it's online yet, so okay. I don't know. Okay. We will, we will have um, the slides and the audio will be up at okay. some point, and you can check them out at release notes. Okay, awesome. And anything else anybody wants to plug? Or, Matt, do you have anywhere that you talk? Do you want to? Nah. <laughs> you can check out the Mary Sue's YouTube channel. We've been putting up a bunch more videos oh, lately. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's a video of me reviewing a comic book on there called Cognitic. Awesome. It's a good comic. People could watch the video first, though. It's It may or may not be good. Watch my video. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, and you can, uh, you know that our show is good, so you can go and rate and review our show on iTunes. Um, and you can... Please do. And please do. That helps us out a ton. And you can send your feedback to uh, feedback at isometricshow.com. Uh, as well, you can also find the show notes for the show at every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Go download the Relay FM app so you can hear us uh, broadcasting live uh, from your iPhone or iOS device and get notifications when we're doing that so you can never miss a show. And uh, you can also follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at isometric show. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? I'm in the dark net. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm also on Twitter at Space Cat Gal. 
and Maddie, where, where can people find you? I want to know where I can find Brie on the Darknet. <laughs> you don't know where you can find Brie on the Darknet. I, no I, one knows. She... But you can find me on Twitter. It's at Samus Clone. And, and Georgia, Georgia Chicken Parts Dow, where can people find you on, on the internet? <laughs> uh, you want to find my biography, you can find anxiety-videos.com or if you're dealing with sleep issues or um, anxiety and on Twitter, it's at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. And that's it. Isometric workers transform and roll out. Get your hand turned.